Welcome to the Captivated for Christ podcast, episode number seven. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Welcome to the Captivated for Christ podcast, weekly encouragement to keep you captivated by God's love. And here's your host, Nathaniel Bridgman. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again to another episode of the Captivated for Christ podcast. I am your humble host, Nathaniel Bridgman. Now, today's ministry of the week is a ministry called the Faith Temple Food Giveaway. The Faith Temple Food Giveaway is an is a weekly food giveaway in the small city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I used to live. Now, the Faith Temple Food Giveaway is a ministry ran by a church called Faith Temple Church, which is actually the church I went to in Sioux Falls. So this is actually kind of another personal for one for me. And the story of the Faith Temple Food Giveaway is, after seeing the need in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area, the Hayes family organized the Faith Temple Food Giveaway. The food giveaway started in May of 2009 in the parking lot of the church, and the first week of the giveaway, they had about 69 people and gave away less than 2,000 pounds of food. As the weeks went on, hundreds of people showed up for the weekly giveaway. The church parking lot was filled to its capacity, resulting in people parking blocks away. When the weather started to get colder in October of 2009, the Faith Temple food giveaway was moved away from the church parking lot and into the fairgrounds in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They are at the armory and they were able to drive the truck into the building and unload in the heated atmosphere. They had so many events going on within this food giveaway and it's such an amazing ministry. Um, so I used to live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as I stated before, and I actually went to Faith Temple as my home church and I helped out in the ministry a lot after I did my DTS. I taught Sunday school there, but one of the ministries I was involved with was actually the Faith Temple Food Giveaway. I volunteered there a few times and it's an incredible ministry and from my own personal experience volunteering in there, I remember thousands of people crowding into the fairgrounds and just getting food and I... My eyes were open to how much ministry was there in Sioux Falls at that time because at the time I was living there, I was like, it's Sioux Falls, South Dakota. How can there obviously be a ministry need there when there are kids starving in other countries across the world? But God really opened my eyes through this food giveaway on how much poverty was in my area. And it's such a cool, amazing ministry. I love what they do there. Um, and it's gotten so big that even missionaries from all across the world, like a missionary in Africa named Dr. Waka Waka, actually came to South Dakota in the middle of nowhere, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to figure to see what an impact this ministry has. It's an amazing ministry. I love what the Sioux Falls Faith Temple Food Giveaway does. It's just, it's such an incredible ministry. And I know a lot of people might say, Nate, why are you supporting this ministry when it's a local, non-international ministry? Because I believe it's important to support or both local and international ministries, and I haven't done one so far. So if you want to find out more information about the Faith Temple Food Giveaway, please go to www.faithtemplefood.com to find out more information. So as always, guys, I wanted to begin our time by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come and bless our time together. So if you are with me, if you are listening all across the world or wherever you are, please bow your heads and close your eyes and I'll begin. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for your great love. I thank you for your mercy and I thank you for this opportunity you've given me to run the Captivated for Christ podcast. I thank you for the people who are listening to this podcast and I pray a blessing upon them. And Holy Spirit, I ask, can you please come, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we surrender our hearts and our minds to whatever you have to say to us, Holy Spirit. And I ask, Holy Spirit, keep 
please speak through this podcast, Holy Spirit? Can you please lead us through understanding of your scriptures? Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we may behold the wonders in your book, O Lord, for you are a true teacher. So come and teach us, Holy Spirit, as we embark on the marvelous, wonderful, amazing beauty that is in, written in your word, O Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for today's episode, I wanted to start a new series on the podcast. I wanted to start a new series of topics that could be engaging. And this series of topics I kind of wanted to talk about is called Unbiblical Things That Christians Believe. This series was inspired by these dumb things that smart Christians believe series started by Crosspoint Community, Crosspoint City Church, sorry, in Cartersville, Georgia, preached by Pastor James. Um, he runs an amazing ministry in Cartersville, and I remember listening to these series of sermons, just being absolutely transformed and touched by these sermons and by all the unbiblical phrases that he talked about and exposing them with biblical truth. I remember being touched by them so much, but I remember that there's actually more phrases that a lot of Christians believe today that are actually very unbiblical. And I wanted to expose them and actually tell the truth about what God is actually like. If you guys don't know what this series is about, well, it's the first one, so probably not. But so the unbiblical things that Christian believes that Christians believe series is about um, phrases that are very common among a lot of Christians and a lot of people in the church that maybe you've heard on a Hallmark card, maybe you've seen them in a Christian bookstore, maybe you've heard a motivational speech about them, they sound very inspirational and nice and true, and while they are very nice quotes, there's a reason why there's not a Bible verse next to the quote. The reason why is because most of the time, they're actually very unbiblical and don't reflect what God is like at all. And there's a danger to these phrases. While they might sound nice on paper, the truth is they may not be what actually what God is like at all, and they don't reveal his character and his purpose, and the Bible actually teaches against these certain teachings and topic. And so what I wanted to do with this series is I want to take these phrases and actually tell and reveal the truth about what God is actually like and what God actually says about himself and what he, he um, instructed authors to write down in the Bible of what God is actually like. And so I prayed about what God wanted me to teach about for the first one, the first topic he wanted me to cover. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart. Now, I, before I begin and reveal what the phrase is, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you believe that God is in control? And the truth is, God is in control. He's in control of everything. He allows certain things to happen for certain things. He's in control of everything. He is the Lord of all creation and the ruler of the entire universe of both heaven and earth. But I want to ask you guys another question. So... Do our actions have consequences? I know the answer to this one is pretty obvious. Yes, both answer, both questions have very obvious answers. Yes, God is in control of the entire universe because he's the Lord of heaven and earth. And our actions do have consequences because whenever we, it's basically the law of physics, every action has an equal or opposite reaction. However, since God is in control of everything, this allows Christians to kind of make up their own theology that's actually not biblically true. And we forget the fact that our actions do have consequences and every action we have has an equal or opposite reaction like in the law of physics because that's how God created the world. And so as a result of this, many people start to assume their own biblical 
own theology that's very unbiblical, and they come up with certain phrases, but the one phrase that has always stuck to me that is very, very untrue is, God is the cause of everything that happens. The phrase that God is the cause of everything that happens, it sounds very nice, and it sounds very motivational speaker-ish because it makes us think, oh, you know, everything that happens must be part of God's plan and everything that I that happens on the earth must be what God wanted. But if you read the Bible, you'll quickly find out that this could be farther from the truth. Because why is that the case? Because here's the thing. We as human beings make decisions every day of our life. What to wear, what to eat, how to get dressed. We each have decisions that we make in our own everyday life that God allows us to happen. But God is not always the cause of those decisions. Sometimes we make decisions that are actually against God's character, and our decisions that we make sometimes are actually the decisions that God doesn't want us to make. Sometimes we may say something that God doesn't want us to say. Sometimes we may want to do something that's very wrong or immoral that God doesn't want us to do. And yet for some reason, because we think that God is in because since God is in control of everything, we think that everything we're doing was caused by God. But this could be farther from the truth. And why is that? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Today I'm going to talk about the phrase that God is the cause of everything that happens. I'm going to talk I'm going to give three reasons why this phrase is very unbiblical, and I'm also going to give the solution of what is the truth about why God allows certain things to happen and the truth of why things happen in our world. So, let's first talk about why is this phrase unbiblical. Well, the first reason as to why this phrase is unbiblical is because God gives us a choice. God gives us choices and allows us the freedom to choose things every single day. In Joshua 24, 15, when Joshua was giving a speech to the people of Israel, because in this time, the people of Israel had just settled in the homeland. They defeated a lot of enemies. But the problem was that a lot of them were choosing false idols over God. And this was a problem for Joshua because God led them to Israel. God brought them out of Egypt. He gave them laws to obey and command. And yet they were still choosing false idols over God, even though God warned them in Exodus chapter 20, you shall have no other gods before me. And so Joshua gave a mighty speech to Israel before his passing. And one of the final verses he said in Joshua 24, 15, when he was addressing the false idols that many people were addressing, Essing was, choose today who you will serve. And he names the list of the gods, whether it be the gods of the Amorites or the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the river. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Even when God led them out of the desert, out of Egypt, out of slavery, when he led them for 40 years and gave them food to eat, the people were still disobedient to God. And Joshua told them to choose to serve God, meaning that when God gave them those commandments, he gave them a choice to follow him or whether to not. And that's a choice that we must make every day as followers of Jesus. We must choose to always follow Jesus in everything we do. But the truth is, is that we make choices every day as people, as human beings, that aren't always the best decision. Sometimes 
we overeat. I know this might sound silly for me, but I actually do eat a lot, but that's because I have a fast metabolism and it automatically burns those calories. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate me for that reason, but it's the truth. God gave me a fast metabolism. But for a lot of people, uh, metabolism is a problem and a lot of people overeat. And as a result, they gain weight. And as a result of them gaining weight, a lot of people think, well, it might be because I don't have a fast metabolism like you do. And while that may be true, it's also our own decision. God gave us the choice whether to eat or not to eat. Wow, that sounded like a bad Shakespeare pun. But still, God gives us a choice in every day that we do. We can either choose to follow him or can choose to sin and live in a life without him. That's why whenever we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach a salvation message, we must always tell them that everyone has a choice. We can either choose to follow Jesus or continue to live in our sinful lives. There is no other option. Jesus gives us a choice every day, and we must always choose the option to serve him and to follow him. But since we're sinful beings, we don't always make that choice. Sometimes we go against God. Sometimes we do sin because Paul talks about this in Romans that we have a sinful nature and that's normal for us to sin. But we must still choose to follow Jesus every day. And unfortunately, since we make bad decisions, sometimes our actions have consequences. But God gives us the choice whether to follow him or to not. And so God does cause certain things to happen in our world. But he does, but what he causes are, th are moments when we have to choose, do I choose to follow Jesus or do I choose not to follow Jesus? And so that's the first reason why this phrase is unbiblical is because God gives us a choice every day. The second reason as to why this phrase is unbiblical is because we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. To quote the very excellent philosopher, Sammy Classic Sonic fan, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I can't believe I'm actually quoting Sammy Classic Sonic fan here, but our actions have consequences. We make, when we make bad decisions in our lives, we experience the consequences of that. And sometimes when we make bad decisions in our life, are we really going to blame our bad decisions on God? Are we really going to blame the consequences of our actions on God? So let me ask you guys a question. Let's just say you decided to start smoking and you smoke for a lot of years of your life. But then, in the middle of your life in your old age, from all that smoking, you find out you get lung cancer. Let me ask you a question. Whose fault is that? Is it God's fault, who probably warned you to not smoke and not endanger your body? Or is it all your fault that you got the lung cancer because you smoked too much? No, I'm gonna blame God for that one because you shouldn't have given that to me. <sighs> Our actions have consequences every day, whether it be good or bad ones. When we make a good decision, we have good consequences. When we make a bad decision, we have bad consequences. Am I preaching to the choir here? Seriously, why are we blaming God for bad decisions we make? When we make bad decisions, bad things happen to us. Now, granted, there are times where we do make good decisions and bad things happen to us, just like what happened with Joseph. Joseph was a man of God. Bad things still happen to him, and bad things do happen to us, but we still need to avoid making bad decisions because when we make a bad decisions, bad things still happen to us. Seriously, bad things always happen to us, but they're more likely when we make bad decisions. I'll bring up another example. Let's just say... 
you start drinking. You, and you start drinking a lot in a bar. And you drink so much that you get drunk. And the next morning you wake up and you're sick and you have a hangover. Whose fault is that? Is it God's fault who told you not to get drunk but get drunk off his Holy Spirit? Or is it your fault? No, <laughs> it's God's fault because he should have warned me. <sighs> he did warn you in his word, but... <sighs> anyway, sorry, I'm not, I should probably get over myself. It's just that it drives me crazy when people think that it's God's fault for them experiencing bad things in their life. If you want to see good things come in your life, then you need to do one thing. Make good decisions. Bad things will still happen to you because we live in a fallen world, but if we make good decisions, <gasps> good things will happen for us. It's that simple. God is not the cause for you experiencing lung cancer or drunkenness. It's your fault because you didn't listen to him. Sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't get overwhelmed. It's just this thing drives me crazy when I see people doing that. It, just, it drives me crazy because I'm like, dude, if you want to stop bad things from happening to you all the time, then simply stop making bad decisions. It's that simple. Anyways, I should probably stop before I, you know, start ranting again. Anyways, but the third reason why this phrase is unbiblical is because God is good and in him there is no evil. James writes in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good thing given in every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God is not evil. I know it sounds very dumb to say that, but God is not the reason bad things happen to you. God is good. Am I on Are you honestly going to sit there and say that God is the reason that cancer is in the world? Are we honestly going to sit there and say that God is the cause for so much murder and rape? Are we honestly going to sit there and say that God is the cause for world hunger? Um, hello, God is good. He doesn't like those things. God clearly wrote in Exodus chapter 20, do not murder. God also wrote in Deuteronomy not to rape. And also, Jesus clearly writes in his word, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat, and you fed me. Here's the thing. God is good. There is no evil thing in God at all. You want to know how I know this? Because it's written in his word. And in the Bible, God gives us a list of commandments not to do evil things. So if God doesn't want us to do evil things, how could he be the cause of sin, death, and darkness? Now, I want to ask another question. I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but what is sin exactly? Well, sin are the, well, sin exactly are, well, sins exactly, blah, gosh, I can't speak today. <laughs> but sin in its true form are acts or actions that separate us from God. Are you honestly going to sit there and tell me that sin and all the dark things that happen in this world that separate us from God are the thing that God caused? Why would God cause something to happen that would separate us from him? 
it's clearly written in Genesis that the reason why God created us is to have a relationship with us. That's all that God wants with us. Isn't it amazing that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us? But if the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us, why would he create something that separates us from him? It doesn't make any sense. You want to know why it doesn't make any sense? Because it's not true! <sighs> Sorry. Man, I'm getting overwhelmed today, but it's it's just, it drives me crazy when so many people think that God is the reason that so many bad things happen in this world. He's not. We are. Us disobeying him and us making bad decisions and us living in a fallen world are the reasons why there's so much death, why there's so much destruction, why there's so many bad things happening in this world. You want to know why war goes on? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we hate people and kill each other. That's why it's our own fault. It's mankind's fault. We are the reason why bad things happen in this world. But the good news is, through Jesus Christ, we can stop these bad things from happening. God gives us, in, through his word, God gives us detailed instructions on how this stuff can be stopped. All we need to do is love one another just as Jesus did. Jesus gave, his command, Jesus gave his commandment to his disciples before he was crucified. Love one another as I have loved you. All we need to do is to love one another as Christ loved us. And we can stop these bad things from happening in the world. Granted, sin will still be there because we live in a fallen world. But we need to make the decision to follow Jesus every day and to love one another and to lay down our lives just as Christ did for us. For if we start loving one another just as God does, then we can start to see a change happen in the world. Because when we start reflecting the character of God, which is good, then good things will happen in the world and God will bless us. Because God is good and in him there is no evil thing. So the question now remains, what is the biblical truth? What is the actual truth? We know that God is not the cause of everything that goes on in this world because bad things happen, our actions have consequences, and God is ultimately good, and he gives us a choice. So what is the truth about why bad things happen in this world, and what, and what can we do to fight the bad things that go on in this world? Well, the first reason that we need to understand is we need to understand why bad things happen to us and why God ultimately allows some things. Because while God allows certain things to happen, he's not ultimately the cause of those things. We, can, we as human beings can allow certain things to happen, but that doesn't mean we're the cause of that thing. We can allow the Patriots to beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl, but that doesn't mean we as the fans are the cause of that. Sorry, I'm a Falcons fan, so yeah, I just had to kind of bring that up. Sorry, Patriots fans who are listening. You know, your team is great. Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. I'm not going to hate on that, but it's just kind of an example. All right, so why do bad things happen in this life, and why does God allow certain things to happen? Well, the first reason is because God allows us to go through trials to teach us a lesson. Uh, another ver one of my favorite verses, actually a group of verses from the book of James, is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6, which read, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God 
who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And he also writes in verse 6, But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You see, when God allows certain things to happen for us, especially if there are things that are not like his character, the reason why is because he's trying to teach us a lesson. Going back to the example of, you know, being drunk, what is the, what do you think is the main reason why God allowed you to be hung over? Well, it's pretty obvious. The reason why God allowed you to become hung over is he's trying to teach you to stop getting drunk off alcohol. But this could be any other things. Let's just say bad things start happening in your job and you yourself are not doing a good job yourself. Even though it's a job you know you're qualified for. Well, you can start asking God the question, God, why are these things happening in my life? Maybe either A, he wants you to search for another job, or B, he wants you to improve in whatever area he wants you to. You see, the truth is God allows certain things to happen for a reason, but we need to understand what the reason is. And the most common reason is to teach us a lesson. But if we want to find out what that lesson is, James, just as James write in chapter, writes in chapter 5, we need to ask God for wisdom. So whenever bad things happen in our life, we shouldn't ask God, why is this thing happening? We should be asking God, okay, God, what is the lesson you're trying to teach me? Is there a lesson that you want me to learn so that way I can improve my walk with you? And James writes in chapter 6 that when we ask that, we must believe that God will give us the answer because he who doubts is like one who's tossed by the sea. So if bad things are happening in your life and you're going through a trial, don't blame God as the cause of that, but instead ask God, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me in this one? It all goes back to the principle of hearing God's voice and asking Jesus, Jesus, what is the reason that this is happening? Uh, Jesus, what is the lesson you're trying to teach me? Don't ask God what is the reason. Just ask Jesus, what's the lesson you're trying to teach me? So that's the first reason is that we need to understand that God allows us to go through trials to teach us a lesson. The second reason as to why bad things happen to us is because the enemy attacks us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. You want to know one of the reasons why bad things happen? is because the enemy attacks us. You see, God is the Lord of all creation, and he is the God of the universe. But as God reigns over the universe, there's also an opposite power trying to attack him. And one of the ways that the enemy tries to attack God is he attacks the thing that God loves most. And what is the thing that God loves most? Us. We are the God's creation. We are made in God's image. Yet unfortunately, the enemy attacks us as a way of attacking God by causing us to sin. And when we have bad things happen in our life, it may be that God is going through a trial, but other times it may be that the enemy is attacking us. And sometimes the enemy attacks us as a way of attacking God. As attacking God. But the good news is, is that God is all powerful. The enemy is not. And God has given us the authority over the enemy to drive out the enemy whenever the enemy tries to cause fear and bad things in our life. We are the children of God. We have the authority to drive out the enemy. He's like a little bug. He's just like a fly in the wall. It's somehow we make him to be this big thing that's happening. Well, here's the thing. We have the power to drive out the enemy. We're the children of God. Satan's scared of us. 
You want to know how we can stop the enemy from attacking us? You just simply rebuke him, and he'll be gone. We have the power to. Now, granted, there are times where God does allow attacks on the enemy to happen. For example, I'll give a biblical example. Um, in the book of 1 Samuel, the first king of Israel was a king named Saul. And Saul was pretty good for a while. He did some things that were honest to the Lord. But over time, there was one point in the battle where Saul disobeyed God and did not do what God commanded out of his own pride and ego. And as a result, God was displeased. And God actually allowed the enemy to attack Saul by, sending an e by allowing the enemy to send an evil spirit. Now, when I first read this, I was confused because I was like, wait, what? Why would God allow a demon to attack the king of Israel? But then I read in the following verses why. Because God was raising up a new king in Israel, and this king's name was David. But David was not established as the king of Israel yet. He was just a little kid. So whenever the evil spirit would attack Saul, God used David and his harp-playing skills to go to Saul and drive out the demon. And David actually became a worker in Saul's court. So that whenever the demon came and attacked Saul, David would play the harp and the demon would go away. Another example was when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus took the punishment for our sins and died the death we deserve, the enemy was attacking him severely. He was brutally wounding him. And when he died the death and experienced hell on a cross, the enemy thought he won. But in three days, Jesus rose from the dead and gained victory over the enemy and gave us new life. Jesus died the death that we deserved and was risen from the dead so that we can have new life and had claims victory over the enemy. You see, sometimes God allows the enemy to attack us, but we must recognize that we are in spiritual warfare. And the reason why God allows the enemy to attack us is so that God can strike back with even more force, so that way the enemy won't expect it. Sometimes in battle or sometimes in something as a sporting event, sometimes a good coach will allow the other team to score, so that way he can come up with a trick play to trick the enemy and gain the advantage over him. And it's the same way in spiritual warfare with God. Sometimes God allows the enemy to attack, but the reason why is that God can strike back against the enemy and crush him down so that way the enemy is not expecting it. You honestly think that the enemy was expecting God to attack him when an evil spirit was sent to the king of Israel? Well, God struck, well, God struck back against that evil spirit by establishing David as king over Israel and playing the harp. You see, sometimes when the enemy attacks us in our own life, we don't expect it because we expect God to come in. Well, the truth is God is still working in our lives. We just need to recognize that the enemy, that, that attack from the enemy is not from God, but it's from the enemy and that God is just waiting for us to strike back. What we need to do is to be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not just something that happens when a demon possesses someone. Spiritual warfare is a reality all around us. Every day we're constantly encountering spiritual warfare, but how we must recognize it is that we must be aware of the reality of spiritual warfare. And once we are aware of the reality of spiritual warfare, then we know and then we have won half the battle and we can allow and when we drive out the enemy, it allows God to take full advantage and strike back against the enemy. So that's the second reason. We must remember that the enemy attacks us, but we also must remember that God is that we must rebuke the enemy and so that God can strike back and destroy the enemy once and 
for all. So that's the second reason as to why um, it happens. The third thing we can do to stop these things from happening in our life is we must find out what God's will is for us and obey him and him alone. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. We can't be exposed to things that aren't God's will. We cannot actively participate in dark things, even if they're in secret, because our Father sees what is done in secret. We need to find out what God's will is for our life. And we can do that through several things. We can start by reading scripture and doing what scripture tells us. We can start, we can also hear his voice. We can pray about what decision God wants us to make. Or we can even try and ask God what he wants us to do for the rest of our day. Or we can ask God what he wants us to do in a certain point in our day. We need to find out what God's will is for our life. Because God's plan is ultimately different than our plan. If we're honestly thinking that God's plan is the exact same plan as our plan, we're fooling ourselves. God knows everything. We don't know we don't know anything compared to God. He's the God of the universe, and he has a plan for everything. But what we need to do is to find out what God's will is for our life and simply obey him. Is that much to ask? Granted, it is hard to obey God sometimes because of our sinful nature, because we're so used to sinning and we're so used to being in these bodies. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to please God in everything we do. In all that we do, we must find out how we can obey God in every situation of our lives, whether it be in our family relationships, our friend relationships, our job, whatever it is that God wants in your season of your life. We need to find out what God wants us to do. And we must simply obey and find out what God's will is for our life. Then we'll start to see good ha things happen. Paul writes in Romans 8.28 that God works for the good of those who follow him. We must simply follow Jesus and good things will happen to us. God is not the cause of everything that happens in this world because not everything that happens in this world is what God intended or wanted for us. But we as followers of Christ must choose to obey what God's will is. And then we will, once we start finding out what God's will is for our life, then we'll start, see God, start to see God doing miraculous things in our life. Then we'll start to see God work towards the good of those who follow him. We must simply find out what God's will is for our life and simply obey him. I wanted to close today by reading from... Genesis chapter 3 and if you guys don't know what Genesis chapter 3 is if you ever been to if you've never been to Sunday school or kids church or anything like that Genesis chapter 3 recaps the story of how mankind fell it's the story of how Adam and Eve fell out of the garden aka the first sin it's how they were kicked out and exiled from God's eternal presence in the garden of Eden and in this story, if just to recap the story, what happens is God tells Adam and Eve, he commands them that they can eat anything from the Garden of Eden, but they must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, in this, God is testing them to see their obedience because he created them and he loves them and he trusts them to give us a choice, just like God trusts us to make choices every day to follow him. But unfortunately, 
Eve is deceived by the Eved by a serpent who is in the gar. Uh, he is deceived in it in the Garden of Eden. The woman saw the fruit of it, and the snake tempted her. If you guys don't know what the snake is, the snake is basically the enemy. The enemy went into the Garden of Eden and took the form of a serpent, and he tempted Eve. And when she saw that the fruit was good, she ate of it and even gave some to her husband. And after that, they realized what they had done. They realized that they had disobeyed God. And so what they did was that once their eyes were open, they covered themselves and hid themselves from God. And so begin. I wanted to begin in verse 8 and finish by reading um, verse 8 through 13. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? You see, God is fully aware that Adam and Eve disobeyed him. But what God is doing in this moment is that he's actually offering Adam a chance to redeem himself. He's offering Adam the chance to say, I'm sorry, God, I messed up. I took the tree from what you ate. But does Adam do that? No, he doesn't do that. In fact, he does the opposite. If you'll continue in verse 12, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. You see, in this moment, Adam doesn't confess his sin. In fact, he blames it on the woman. In fact, not only does he blame on the woman, he ultimately blames it on God because he says, the woman you gave to me. You think God liked that? Oh, no, he did not. You see, God gives us opportunities to make good decisions, the opportunity to ask for forgiveness of our sins, the opportunity to come back to him. God wants us to have a loving relationship with him, and he wants us to make good decisions, and he wants us to do his will for our life. But we can't sit there and blame him for everything as Adam did, because once Adam blamed God for everything, God kicked them out of the garden. And, he, and when Eve... And it wasn't just Adam. Eve did the same thing, and God kicked them out of the garden and did all sorts of things. But the good news is, is that through Jesus Christ, Jesus took the punishment for all of our sins. He was buried for three days, and then three days rose again so that we could start over. So let's start over today. Let's start making good decisions to follow Christ. Let's choose today to find out what God's will is for our life. Let's choose today to follow and serve the Lord. Father, I thank you for your great love, and I thank you for your mercy, and I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you've given me the opportunity to preach in this podcast. And Father, I confess that I haven't always done things that are your will, Lord Jesus. I confess that I've messed up in my own life. But Father, can you please, Jesus, forgive me for the times I messed up and forgive me of my sins, Lord Jesus. And Father God, I pray, Holy Spirit, can you please help us to make good decisions every day, but most of all, help us to find out what your will is and to follow your will. For you, for as you wrote, as Paul wrote in Romans eight twenty eight, you work towards the good of those who follow you. So let us choose the day who we will serve. But as for me and for anyone else, let us choose to serve you, O Lord, my God, in all that we do. In Jesus' great name, I pray. 
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys, to the LNR episode of the Captivated for Christ podcast. If you like what you see here, go ahead and leave us a like on Spotify, iTunes. Be sure to follow us on all platforms where our podcasts are available, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. And if you like what you see here and you want to hear more, be sure to visit our website. I'll leave a link in the description down below with the show notes. And guys, thank you so much for watching. And as always, I hope that this episode kept you captivated by God's love. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Captivated for Christ podcast. To find out more information or to view more episodes, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available.